<laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, would you meet me in your Bibles, if you have them, uh, to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through 13. And while you are turning there, I want to uh, just again extend my thanks for the very uh, wonderful privilege of being able to bring you the Word of God. My name is Stephen Weathers. I'm one of the lay members here as well. And uh, just glad to be able to be in the house. So thankful for Pastor Ben. Uh, we, I really do think, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I really do praise God and thank God that we have such a pastor as we do. So I just love um, that he is with us in this place. And so, and I thank God for the elders that we have who love this place um, and, and who love us and they pray for you. The staff prays for you. So I, I've seen those things firsthand. It's a good thing to see. Um, we're going to read from 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through 13. And if you have your Bibles, meet me there. <clears throat> the text reads, And David said, Is there still anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Don't fear. For I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, of, the, of, of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, all that belonged to Saul and all to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at the king's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he always ate at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. Father God, we thank you for your word, and we pray that your word would not return void. We know that it won't because you've promised us that. But Lord, I pray that this messenger and, and our ears would agree with all that you have ready for us today, uh, that, that my words 
would be your words, Father God, and not the other way around, not that I would make it mine, but, but Father, that you would be uh, lifted up in this place, Father. Thank you, God, for your ever-loving kindness. Thank you, God, for your ever-loving grace, Father, that amazing grace that keeps us. And so we're grateful to be able to just reflect on that this morning and bring your name, glory, and honor. You're so worthy of it, Father God. I pray for every person in this place that you would speak to each heart as you would and that those who might need you, Father, those who don't know you, I pray that they will be pricked to come and fall down at your feet, Father God, and find you worthy as well so that they can call you and let the redeemed of the Lord begin to say so, O oh God. Uh, we pray that you would have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. So, church, for just a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought, be kind for Christ's sake. Be kind for Christ's sake. So I'm on YouTube most days, either professionally or uh, sometimes personally, I'm on YouTube. And almost every day there is an advertisement that says, if you click this link, you can be rich. <laughs> if you click this link, you can make $500 a day. Go watch my video and subscribe to my channel smash that link button, you can be rich. And, and there's no shortage of get-rich-quick schemes on YouTube across the web. And now, here I am, in the pulpit of Jesus Christ, about to share with you a get-rich-quick scheme. Well, I should say, it's really not a get-rich-quick scheme, but it may be a get-rich scheme. Uh, here's, are you interested? Interested in being rich? Yeah. <laughs> this is not a prosperity sermon, <laughs> although it might turn out that way for some of you. Um, scientists say, scientists say, some of the studies have shown that people who are, listen to it, kind are more likely to become wealthy. People who are kind are more likely to become wealthy. So if you want to be wealthy, be kind. <laughs> Somebody say amen. How many of you are going to start that, pra that practice of kindness right now today? <laughs> I know I didn't let him in, my, in front of me this morning, but I would let him in after church today. You know what I'm talking about, driving on the street, y'all, y'all, you know, cutting people off. And... <laughs> Loved ones, uh, <laughs> I want you to know that kindness... For followers of Jesus Christ is not a strategy just for wealth or living longer, which they also say people who are kind live longer. Or it's not just a catalyst or a remedy for fertility because they also say people who are kind are likely to have more children. Kindness in, is mentioned almost 250 times in Scripture. Christians are called to the activity of it. In fact, listen to what the prophet Micah says in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He said, he has told you, O man, speaking to the people of Israel, he said, he told you, God has already told you what's required of you, that you act justly, that you love mercy, and that you walk humbly with your God. When God says love mercy, the word that's used there is the same word kindness or loving kindness. It's the same word that David is using when he asked the question about uh, Jonathan's house and Saul's house. Is there anyone I can show 
kindness to. That's the same word, but different from our English word in this language. The Hebrew word comes packed with a different kind of meaning, many more meanings. The word is attempting to describe, yes, as we've mentioned, mercy, that is giving someone what they don't deserve. But it's also attempting to describe what we know of as the Bible says in some of your Bibles, steadfast love, or some of your Bibles may say faithful love. It's meant to describe loyal love. It's also meant to describe strength, goodness, grace, and devotion. Now, one scholar says when the word is used, it it encompasses the idea of strength, steadfastness, and love. And if all three aren't in mind, then the word loses its meaning. In the New Testament, we recognize that kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, patience, kindness. The Bible says, against such, there's no law. And this, this, my friend, loving kindness, mercy, being strong but loving toward others, this, the child of God is called to. And so it takes us to our first point. God's people, you, me, must be sure to be kind. God's people must be sure to be kind. In fact, uh, we see this in 2 Samuel chapter 9. But when we first meet David 20 years earlier, uh, when we first meet him, he's not a king. He's a shepherd. And he's so overlooked when we first meet him and underwhelming that when the man of God comes to his town, the man of God, Samuel, comes to his town searching for the next big thing, they didn't think he was good enough to be on Israel's Got Talent. And they certainly weren't going to invite him to Israeli Idol. Uh, As far as anyone's concerned, he, he didn't have the voice. And Samuel was tempted to ask him, so you think you could dance, huh? But Samuel knew that wasn't his assignment. He was in search of a king. And nobody thought of David as anyone important. So much so that his own father wouldn't even bring him into the lineup to be looked at when Samuel was searching for a king. Uh, But what David knew about his own self is that while he didn't have the voice and he wasn't known for his dancing, And he was just a shepherd in the field. What what he knew about himself is that he was indeed a little big shot. He knew that that while he didn't have the voice and he wasn't known for dancing, and he was just a shepherd in the field, he was already building his courage, honing his skills by fighting bears and lions, by uh, building his resume, rescuing sheep from their, lion, their, their paws and their jaws, by improving his musical skills, uh, by, by encouraging himself when he's out there in the field alone, so that when it come, came time to, to fight a giant named Goliath, uh, and it came time to wisely deal with a jealous employer and king, and when it came time to encourage himself when his men, own men wanted to kill him, 
David was already prepared. And I want to use this point to say to you at this moment, if you're still that person who's being overlooked and, and underwhelming people and people aren't willing to invite you into the space, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep making sure you submit your life to God and keep honing your skills and keep allowing yourself to be encouraged by the Lord. And at the proper time, God will open the door for you just as he did for David. Amen. Be faithful. Stand in there. Stand strong. David had his moment and God will give you the moment that you need when it's your time as well. Now, at this point, though, David now, years later, we find him 2 Samuel chapter 9, and he's king. He's established himself as king, and 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 1 says this, that the Lord had given David rest from all his enemies around him. He had defeated the Edomites. He had defeated the Amalekites. He had defeated the Moanites. He had defeated the Ammonites, the Moabites, excuse me. He had defeated the Ammonites. He had defeated the Philistines, and he defeated King Hadadezer and the Syrians who came to help Hadadezer fight as David was trying to retake control as far away from Israel as the Euphrates River. And after defeating all those people and making a name for himself along the way, the second thing he does after he becomes king, and Elder Oscar spoke to us last week about the first thing he does. He wants to build a house for God. God says no. The second thing he does is he, he asks the question, is there anyone from Saul's house that I could be kind to? Now, I say the second thing. I should tell you, um, by now, it's years later, and Saul, Saul has been dead a long time. But he's somewhere, he's now he's established as king. He's set up as king. And his enemies, he has no enemies anymore that, that concern him in the moment. In other words, in other words, David had experienced some upward mobility. He started from the bottom, now he's here. He started from the bottom, and now the whole team is here. And friends, David gives us a, a model, a picture of what we must do. Uh, friends, as God blesses you and as he is blessing you and as he is taking you and I up and as he is allowing you to experience upward mobility, we want to do like David and be sure to be kind. Amen? Yeah. David asked, is there anyone in the household of Saul that I could show kindness to, show loving kindness to? And I want you to know that what David was not saying was, is there anyone in the house of Saul that I could be nice to? Kindness and niceness are often used interchangeably. But the scriptures don't call us to be nice. The scriptures call us to be kind. The words are often used interchangeably, but one psychologist says it like this, that being nice is about being polite and civilized and demonstrating high levels of social skills and etiquette. In fact, to be pleasant and agreeable. But kindness is different. While niceness is to be pleasant and agreeable, kindness, church, is about being compassionate and taking care of the need at hand. In fact, one definition says the word kindness has its roots in Middle English and the word kinde, K-I-N-D-E, which means friendly, or deliberately doing good to others. It also has Germanic origins, 
origin, excuse me, linking kind to the word kin, as in family. Now, while I want you to do, I want you to hold on to the fact that the word has, has everything to do with doing good to others and being a family to someone, I want you to dismiss the idea that the word is Middle English and Germanic in its origins. Why? Because the idea of kindness was in operation at least a thousand years before the Middle English or Germanic populations were actually even on the earth. Rather, in fact, almost 1,000 years earlier, we see James, the brother of Jesus, gives us a glimpse of what kindness is in action, what kindness versus niceness looks like. James, in chapter 2, verse 15, says, Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, warm, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? You're nice, but you're not exercising kindness. We can go further. Jesus, many years before his brother tells us this, told us a story. He told us about a Samaritan who found a man who was almost killed from a robbery, and the man was laying near dead on the street. But the Samaritan who probably would have walked by this man had he been healthy, and they probably might not have even liked each other. But the Samaritan found this man who was almost killed. He picked the man up. He bandaged him, and he paid for his hotel stay and his medical uh, stay, uh, his medical work. And he told the hotel clerk, hey, when I come back through, I'll pay the rest of it. And Jesus asked the question to the people he was telling the story to, which one of these was his neighbor. And the answer came back, the one who showed him mercy. Mercy, that word mercy is another word for kindness. And Jesus said to them, you, and he says by extension to us, you go and do likewise. That's what Jesus says. So David wasn't just looking to be nice. He was looking to demonstrate loving kindness. More than that, David's story then is not just an act for us to, to it's, it's not just a call for us to be, uh, to go out there and produce what we call random acts of kindness. That's not it. I mean, and I love the statement because it's a, it's a direct antithesis to, to random acts of violence. And, and we can all attest, I think, that, that the world doesn't need any more violence, random acts of violence, but the world could do a great deal with, a, a great deal more with random acts of kindness. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. Um, because we know that random acts of kindness get us into moving toward what God has called us to and what we've experienced ourselves. But David wasn't just calling us to random acts of kindness. What James and Jesus and David shows us is that there are components to kindness. Look at the text. There are components to kindness. David shows us that first of all, kindness is about restoration. He says in verse 7, do not fear, for I will show you the kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. Kindness is about restoring people. And don't miss restoration as a very biblical and very intentional and an imperative that God has called us to. That's why Paul in Galatians chapter 6 tells us that when, when someone is overtaken in a fault, 
Those of you who are spiritual, and by spiritual, he means those who have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, patience, kindness, the fruit of the Spirit. That's what he said in chapter 5. When he gets to chapter 6, he says, if you have those things, if someone is overtaken into a fault, those of you who are spiritual, you're supposed to restore. Restoration is a biblical principle. But not only restoration, a component of kindness is also about sharing. The Bible says that David said to Mephibosheth, you shall be, you shall eat at my table always. You shall eat at my table always. Here Mephibosheth is and he is in hiding. He's in a city, a town called Lodabar. Literally means not a word. It literally means nothing to be spoken of. This is not an important place. And he, what many scholars would think, is that he was in hiding. David pulls him out of hiding and says, you don't have to be in hiding anymore, but you can sit at my table and share the food that I share with my sons and my, and my people, and you can have the best of the king's food. He's not there trying to hoard it from us, from, from him. He was trying to give it to him. Kindness involves sharing. Kindness also involves caring for other people's concerns. Caring for other people's concern. The Bible says, and Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. You will find out that later on that Micah is the reason why Saul's line keeps going. Because all his other sons had died, Mephibosheth, is because of David's kindness, is still there. He has this young son with him, and you'll find out in 1 Chronicles that through Mephibosheth and through and through Micah, the lineage continues, and, and Saul's, and Saul's uh, people continue on. But, but Mephibosheth can't have this unless David cares for his concerns. David cares for his concerns, and he provides for him by allowing Ziba, the servant, to make sure that Ziba's 15 sons and 20 servants care indeed for Mephibosheth and Micah. And he says, Micah will stay with you, but Mephibosheth is going to eat at my table, at my very table, like one of the king's sons. David may have remembered Mephibosheth just before all of this went down as a, as a little boy. And so when he sees him, he says, Mephibosheth, And now today, years later, and you know it was years later because now Mephibosheth has his own son. He says, Mephibosheth. And he says, you're going to sit at my table. Kindness involves caring for other people's concerns. And then finally, kindness kindness is about establishing dignity. Establishing dignity. So Mephibosheth, the Bible says in verse 13, so Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem. Because he always ate at the king's table, now he was lame in both feet. The point that the scriptures are trying to make is Mephibosheth didn't have anything to offer David. David had the wealth. David now had the crown that Mephibosheth's grandfather used to have. David had the people behind him. David had the nation. Mephibosheth didn't have anything. All he has was the reputation of a a grandfather who did not do right before the Lord. And even though his father did right before the Lord, it's usually the father of the father where the the dignity comes from. It had been stripped from them. And so now he's in hiding. And he doesn't have a place where he can hold his head up high. 
But David calls him back. And I want you to know, in many situations, this could be a very dangerous situation. Uh, the king says, hey, where, uh, where is our Jonathan's people so that I could show kindness? If David was any kind of evil person, he could very well have flipped the script and say, I'm just really looking for them so that I can take them out and make sure I establish my kingdom. We see something similar, similar to that uh, much later down the line when Herod says, where, where, where is this king? That you're talking about of the Jews that I can come to worship him too but we know what Herod wanted to do Herod wanted to kill Jesus that could have been the same place because it was commonplace for a king to take out his enemies and to make sure that they not only had no dignity but they had no life so that they wouldn't be able to come back and take the kingdom kindness is about it's about sharing it's about uh, restoration. It's about provision. It's about caring for other people's concerns. Uh, kindness also is about reducing where possible, when you have power, the fear factor. If we go back up to the front, it says, David, David says, do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. David says, do not fear. Those of us with power, those of us with ability, those of us who have other people who are, 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 are responsible to us, where we're responsible for, or who we have the ability and the power to speak over, we demonstrate how close we are to God. We demonstrate how well we serve people, we how, how well we love people and how well we love God by how kind we are to them. Kindness. Kindness. So while we may commit random acts of kindness everywhere and in every place, the prayer is, God, give us the kindness that reduces fear, that restores, that shares, that provides altruistic and dignifying restoration and return. Anybody want that today? Anybody want to be that kind of person today? We can be that kind of person. While David's kindness is good, though, I do want to tell you it's really not enough. It's really not enough. That is, David did all the right things for all the right people, but he didn't fully have the right motive. David said... I want to provide God's kindness for the sake of Jonathan. You see, David had made a covenant with Jonathan years ago. Jonathan said to him, listen, after all your enemies are dead, I need you to promise me that you're going to show my family loving kindness. And David agreed. And while that's admirable and it needs to be said that kindness is supposed to be provided, not just though because we know people, but even when we don't know them. Yeah. We perform, as people of God, we perform kindness the way Jesus did for us. Here, here's one of the ways he did it that you might have seen in Scripture that, that helps us understand this is what we're supposed to be doing. One of the ways that Jesus performed kindness he performed kindness like this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Yeah. Oh, just I don't want you to miss that. That's you, the ungodly. 
That's me. That's, that's us. We're the ungodly. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He showed kindness. He restored us. He shared. We share in his righteousness, right? He, he has made us now. We don't fear God because perfect love casts out all fear. Amen? We have a God we can approach boldly when we come to the throne of grace because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Listen, in 1800s, people were trying to minimize calling God's name in vain. And so instead of using the phrase, for Christ's sake, they replaced it with the phrase, for Pete's sake. They decided to use Peter's name in vain. But I came today to tell you, uh, when we talk about kindness, I want to restore the language. I want to reclaim the right person for you to do this for. Don't do it for Pete. Don't do it for Jonathan like David did. Don't do it for David. Don't do it for your best friend. Don't even do it for yourself. But friend, do it for Jesus. Do it for Jesus. In other words, be kind for Christ's sake. Be kind for Christ's sake. I want to tell you something. The kindness that God gave us He gave it to us so that we can be conduits of kindness going to other people. Amen? And the reason we can be kind is because God has been kind to us. Isn't he kind? Anybody know about their own sin? Anybody know about their own sin, what you were before you met Christ? I don't don't hear anybody. I don't know. Maybe it's just me and you, Lacey. Anybody know about your own sin? Anybody know that you found a God, you have a God who saved you and you should have been burning in hell, but no, because of our God, he saved us. What a kind God. Before we asked to be saved, he saved us. What a kind God. Listen, I I just, I'm, I'm grateful about the Strong Tower community. I'm thankful about the Strong Tower community. Because we have real stories of kindness right here in our community, friends. I've seen it. I've, I've watched people pray for one another. I've watched others help one another in distress. Uh, and this week, my friend, we have one of our own families who went through a traumatic experience and experienced the kindness of the Strong Tower community. In fact, I asked the family if I could tell the story. I asked the Matos if I could tell the story. And they said yes. And the reason was because they wanted to make sure that people understood how how much of a caring community that we have at this church. Um, And here's what I read on Facebook as as Mimi Matos put this on for thanks for the people who, who, who helped them out after their fire, after the fire that was taking place and had taken place in their house this week, burning up their kitchen. Look at, look at what she says. The amount of support my family has been receiving today has been more than I ever expected. We have had family, friends, co-workers, McDill Air Force Base, Rochelle teachers, Harrison School for the Arts, Red Cross, etc., contacting us, offering help. Last night, my family experienced a fire in our home, the scariest experience I ever had. We are all okay, thank God, and we can thank God for that too. Damage was in our kitchen. Please pray for us as we navigate the insurance companies and all that comes with this. We appreciate all the supports and prayers. Friends, right here in our own community, we have kindness going on. 
And I pray that we'll continue to be those kind kind of people. I have one more thing to say. I'll tell you what, uh, the Weathers family um, did our normal tradition of going to the movies on, on uh, Christmas. And we, got to go, uh, and we got to go see the color purple. And so while the family went in, I, I went to go get the, the popcorn. And I have to tell you, um, every time I go to the movies, because I don't go very often, but it's like I go maybe almost once a year or maybe one, twice a year at the most, and it just seems popcorn is getting outrageously expensive. Am I, <laughs> anybody with me? Can I get an amen? I'd be like, and so I wasn't even mad. When my daughter said she snuck some popcorn in and showed me. I didn't even say nothing about that. I hope you don't work at AMC. I hope you don't work there. But y'all charging too much for that popcorn. Y'all killing us, man. I had to look at my little pennies like, man, am I going to have enough to pay for this? But let me tell you what happened, right? I was in the line and my son came next to me. And I guess he was getting ready to buy some popcorn as well. He was standing behind me and I'm next up in line. And there's a gentleman in front of me. I'm getting ready to buy my family some popcorn, this expensive popcorn. Sometimes I wonder why I do. Why do I buy this popcorn? But I don't know. You eat movies. You, 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 you uh, go to movies and you eat popcorn, right? And as I'm in the line, uh, I'm ready to pay. I got my card out. I'm ready to do it. Only for the, the older gentleman in front of me, gray-haired, tall, must have been probably 10, 12 years older than me. He says, uh, he says I hear him tell the clerk, he says, uh, and I got this young man here too, Merry Christmas. He says to me, Merry Christmas. I'm like, well, Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> Amen. And here's what I know about kindness. I, did, I could have said, no, no, sir, I got this. I got my own card. I got my own money. But I didn't. What I did was I received his kindness. And on a, on, on, what a great day to receive it on. On a day that gifting is, is, is real for us because Jesus gifted himself to us. And he was kind to me. But in order for the kindness to take place, I had to receive it. And I, I say that there may be one or two of you in here today that you don't know the kindness of God because you haven't received it. Jesus offers you kindness so that while you were still in sin, he already died for you. And he loves you. And if at this any time during these, these, these final moments, uh, there may be some time, there may be some people, I hope you'll make a decision to trust in the living Lord Jesus Christ. And for those of us who know Jesus Christ, may God help us, may God encourage us, and may we live transformed lives that exhibit kindness. Be kind for Christ's sake. Father, we thank you for your own kindness to us, and we pray that you'd help us exhibit kindness to the rest of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.